Hey ladies, and welcome to the Water with Lemon podcast. This is Emma Cook, your host, and I am so glad you are here listening today. This is a podcast by a 20-something for 20-somethings in hopes that we can be encouraged, inspired, and challenged in this crazy time of life. So grab something refreshing and let's get going. Hey ladies, welcome back to the show. Today, Jared Bias joins me to discuss speaking the truth in love as Paul writes in Ephesians 4.15. Jared reminds us that telling the truth in love is not just giving our opinion and calling that truth, but rather earning people's respect by bearing their burdens alongside them. Jared's message is timely in a moment that seems partisan and so divided. I just pray our conversation today is a reminder to look up that our hope is not found in agreements or the favor of man, but in Christ's return. Amen. So with that, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Jared. All right, Jared, let's get going. I'm so excited to have you on the Water with Lemon podcast today. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, why don't you start us off and just tell us a little bit about you and what life's looking like for you these days. Yeah, so uh, I live outside of uh, Philadelphia. I've been married 16 years, almost 17 years. I have four kids that are 12. Actually, today is my 11-year-old's birthday. and. Oh, fine. Uh, nine and, and six. So what life looks like for me uh, these days, in particular, I'm a, I'm a writer, podcaster, advisor in a pandemic. So my days usually consist yeah. of sitting in my office at home all day and, and taking a break to play basketball with my kids for about a half hour in the middle of the day. Oh, that's fun. So are they at home right now? Like what is school looking like for them? Yeah, we've always homeschooled our kids. So they've this is a blessing in disguise in the sense there wasn't much disruption. Our days look pretty much like they always have. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, mm-hmm. you know, crazy when a lot of, you know, obviously a lot of everyone's life has been really mixed up. And for most families, that has looked like school. And so, yeah, homeschool yeah. families are like, hey, we're welcome <laughs> to tell you all the tips and tricks on how to survive this, right? Because right. we're doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I understand a lot of families are like, yeah, we're not cut out for that life, but we respect those that do, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I would like to hear a little bit about uh, just your 20s, because this is a podcast mostly for ladies in their 20s. And I also usually have a lot of women on, but I always try to find wise men like you and just have you guys on to mix it up a little bit. And we love hearing from the male species. So tell us a little bit about your 20s. What was hard? What was good? All the things. Yeah, I mean, my 20s were intense. Uh, my wife and I got married when we were 19. Mm. Um, so that was an intense time, not something I would necessarily recommend to other people. Um, yeah, I, we had people, you know, growing up like in church and stuff that would, they, you know, they'd be like 19 or 20 and they'd be like, well, Jared and Sarah did it. We're like, no, 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 do not, no, do not use us as an example here. Um, so yeah, I've always run, I think, really hard. I felt like life was going too fast. So I felt like I was always missing out. So I always try to stay ahead of the curve. And so it led to just a crazy time in my in my 20s. I was a pastor at a pretty large church for about seven years in my 20s. I was a professor for three years in my 20s at a university. I owned my own business for about four years. Um, so just really running hard and 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 trying to manage life rather than live it. 
-hmm. I think if I can look back at that now, um, just that feeling that I was always behind and that if I was going to be ahead by the time I was in my 30s and 40s, I had to really focus and be mature and responsible in my 20s and ended up, yeah, managing life, I think, rather than, than living that. And I, it came Mm -hmm. to a head for me with, I had my dad um, had cancer in my 20s and he came to to live with us. And because I was, again, the responsible one. So I took care of my dad. I had three kids at the time. I was 27, maybe 26. Mm -hmm. And just looking back on that time, like I really wish I would have, I managed his healthcare rather than being a, a son and just connecting with him emotionally. So I think that was the struggle for me in my, my twenties. Yeah. And it just sounds like you kind of hit the ground running and then, you know, life tossed you that crazy curveball as well. And so, you know, just a lot going on and you hear about that a lot, whether it's, you know, hitting the ground running with a job or hitting the ground running with getting married and you kind of had all of that in one. Right. And so imagine what, you know, a crazy time period of life that was for you. And um, it's just cool to hear a little bit of your background as well and, and, and where you are at today. I was telling you before we got on that I love your podcast, uh, Bible for Normal People. And, you know, I'm totally normal. So I feel like I fit <laughs> right into that. Nice. <laughs> but now you have a new book out, right? Love Matters More. So will you tell us a little bit about that and uh, kind of what made you write it? Yeah, it's interesting. I'm I'm glad you mentioned that um, the book is, or, or that your podcast here is primarily for women. I, I mean, I have a lot to, I would say I owe the book to, to women. I, in my acknowledgments, I mentioned the strong women in my life, my, my mom mm-hmm. and my sister and my aunts who had strong personalities and really modeled for me this idea that love matters more. I, I grew up wanting to defend the truth. I love to argue. I like the facts. I didn't, I didn't like it when you got emotional and uh, when when people got emotional, when we were talking about things that we could just argue about and be logical, and and it was people like my mom who helped me see that there's maybe more to faith and there's more to life, and that love maybe matters more. And the, you know, the the subtitle of the book is how fighting to be right keeps us from loving like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And talk about you know my twenties, I had a fire to always be right. I always needed to be right, and I thought I was doing it for a good reason, but at the end of the day. Uh, I've just come to that conclusion after hurting a lot of people with you know all my good ideas and my good mm-hmm. arguments um that love that love matters more so this mm. book is really it's centered around this phrase that we see in Paul in Ephesians chapter four, you know telling the truth in love mm-hmm. and how do we do that well? How do we not weaponize it and and what does it mean to tell the truth in love from a biblical standpoint? yeah, so let me ask you this did you did you, you know, see into the future in writing this book and see the crazy world that we are living in right now um, in the fact that, yeah, so many of us are just really wanting to be right um, in stances, you know, whether it's politically or um, as far as just everything with the pandemic, you know, when you started writing this, did you have any idea of like what was going on or was it was it more recent? No, I did not. Yeah, I would have I probably started this book maybe two, two and a half years ago. Um, so not at all. But but you know, the 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 seeds were there. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the, these, whether we're talking about religion or politics or pandemic and, and public health and all of that, it's it's just, 
baked into our culture that if we just got everyone to agree with us, if everyone just thought mm-hmm. like me, we would have such a wonderful world. And right. it just one, I don't think that's actually true because we all have our, you know, dark sides. But two, it's not practical. It's it's not going to happen. We have to learn how to love each other well, even when we disagree. Mm, so true. Like this could not have come out at a more perfect time, I think. And it's <laughs> unfortunately, <yeah. laughs> right. I know, yeah. I know. But there is, you know, when it lands in the hands of people, I think that, um, you know, it'll be really good just for people to kind of understand your message of um, just what it really truly means to speak the truth in love. So can we talk a little bit about that? And, you know, what does that really mean? Because I know that that can be kind of, uh, you know, Ephesians can, chapter two can kind of be something that is um, thrown around a lot, right? And so, or we can kind of misinterpret the text. And so, what do you think that, like, can you kind of unpack that and tell us what you think that really means? Yeah, so just doing, you know, a little brief, a little Bible study here. If you yeah. look back a few verses in, in Ephesians chapter 4, I think it's important that we understand what Paul's talking about in the context. And, you know, if you read the NIV version, the the header that the, the editors put there is, for this section, it's called Unity and Maturity in the Body of Christ. Unity and Maturity in the Body of Christ. So, mm. This is about unity. So it's been interesting that people use this verse to kind of weaponize or to exclude other people. But mm-hmm. I think it's important that we recognize, you know, there's another uh, phrase that Paul uses similar to telling the truth uh, in love or speaking the truth in love. And it's in uh, the first six verses where he says we should actually bear with one another in love. Mm-hmm. So for me, that comes first. So in this in this passage, he says, you know, we have to be bearing with one another in love. We have to be completely humble and gentle and patient. So whatever it means to speak the truth in love, we can't separate it. We can't divorce it from being humble, gentle, patient, bearing our burdens, uh, bearing others' burdens. Um, we, we can't separate those. So whatever it means, it comes with humility and gentleness and patience, and I'm sure all the other fruits of the Spirit too, but that's mm-hmm. not what he mentions here. So it, it's it's understanding that we have to be in love, and we have to do a better job of understanding what it is to be in love. Because mm-hmm. in my tradition, we just said, well, it is loving for me to give you my opinion and tell you that you're wrong. <laughs> that is loving. Yeah. But that's not how Paul frames this in Ephesians 4. It's, it's harder than that. It's hard to be humble and gentle and patient. It's hard to earn people's respect by bearing their burdens with them, mm. then then we can tell the truth in love. Other than that, it's not in love. It's just telling yeah. the truth. Or I would argue, as I say in the book, it's just giving our opinion and calling it the truth. But Yes, oh, it's so true. And I think that, like you were saying, maybe the, the misinterpretation of it is thinking like, oh, but I am being loving by explaining why they're wrong. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. like, mm-hmm. we totally uh, can buy into that, I think. And so, like you were saying, it's more about um, tapping into the fruits of the spirit and, and being a good listener and being mm-hmm. a good example, um, not necessarily just like unloading everything on somebody else so that they'll try and, um, you know, listen to you. Because in reality, like you were saying earlier, we all want to think that we're right. So somebody else telling me that you're wrong, is not going to make you want to believe them. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's kind of talk about just our culture, what's going on and, you know, why this idea of just like 
speaking the truth in love is so countercultural. And, you know, in Ephesians, I mean, totally, they, you know, Paul's speaking to areas that are, you know, people that are having to live completely um, countercultural. And so how can we now live this out as believers? Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about it a little bit, but you know, I think it's countercultural because we li- we live in a moment right now where we're convinced that if people just agreed with us, that we'd be in a better spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, that if we can just get to the truth, we wouldn't have all this fighting. But in my experience, fighting doesn't come from being right or wrong about the truth. It mm-hmm. comes from egos and insecurities and hurts and wanting to belong and feeling excluded. It's it's deeper than just getting our facts right. So I I hope we can have the conversation, and I think that's countercultural to say that love matters more Mm -hmm. and that we don't always have to fight for our position, but we can actually, I like to say, we come to relationships not with a sword, but with a talon basin. You know, Jesus came to serve, not to cut the ear off, so to speak, um, in in that story. So I think that's why it's countercultural, is it, it counters this narrative that we believe that Truth is what matters most, so I have to defend truth at all costs, and in so doing, I am behaving in a way completely counter to the world that I think will come about if I get to be right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, you know, kind of the the biggest thing that I'm hearing around that and, and seeing, even in my, my own life, is, you know, these words of being right and what is true, and so, you know, the hard part, I think, um, right now is for believers, like, what is true, you know? So what are those, like, truths that I need to be clinging to? What are the things that are worth fighting for? Um, Not necessarily in an argumentative conversation, but what are things that that we do need to be standing on? What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think we we stand, for me, I stand on um, these principles of humility and, you know, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Mm-hmm. Those are the things I think we should be fighting for, which is really to say we're fighting for love mm-hmm. it, at every turn. I think it's important that we ask the question, you know, what is the loving thing to do? What And, and that's going to be a difficult thing to answer. It's mm-hmm. not going to be black and white. And I think we like to stand up for things that are black and white. But what's loving mm-hmm. in a certain context and in a certain relationship is going to look different we all grow and we develop and we're all in different situations at different times. So we have to be very attentive to each other. I like what you said earlier that it starts with listening. If we can listen and we can have empathy for one another, um, then I think we can do a better job of loving and kind of getting out of this idea that I I guess I have a, I I would ask the question. I'm I'm better at asking questions usually than answering them. You know, it's, I'm usually on the other side of this microphone. Yep. That's true. Um, (laughs) Is what, what are people so afraid of? Mm. What, what, you know, the idea that we have to stand up for these abstract truths. We have to stand up for this belief that. What's the fear behind that? What happens if we don't do that? Mm. Um, and I, I'd, li- I'd be curious to hear how people would respond. It's usually a fear that there's this domino effect that's going to happen and we're going to end up at X, Y, and Z place in our culture and our society. Mm-hmm. But for me, the only way we do that is if we give up on these things like peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control and self-sacrificing love and care and compassion and empathy, all these feeling words and all of these uh, emotional 
uh, emotionally mature words, um, which for me, how to navigate the world with that is what I would call wisdom. And the mm-hmm. highest form of that is in the book, what I call love. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And, you know, just the fact that um, Jesus says the greatest of these is love. That's something that we should focus on. And another thing I was kind of thinking of as you were posing that question um, about what people are so afraid of in this is like, okay, the ultimate um, just like, and goal as far as Christians, like we see our hope in uh, the return of Jesus and being with him. And so, and we know that a lot of this corruption will not, will not last, but for so many others, um, that's all they're seeing, that this is it. And they've got to make this the best it can be when we know it's so fallen and broken. Um, and so I wonder, I wonder what it looks like to, you know, obviously just like being a light into this world, but how, how it looks to just like love the people, you know, in our circles and, mm-hmm. and what it looks mm-hmm. like to express that uh, in our lives. And so um, I guess kind of the, the last thing I want to ask you in, in this, um, just surrounding your book and, and, and this kind of topic is like, what encouragement do you have for, for ladies in their 20s? Like, how do we how do we kind of navigate what's going on now by, you know, speaking the truth in love and, and truly being that example for others? Yeah, I, I think there's two things. And again, I'm by no means any experts on what it means to be a, a lady, <laughs> lady in, in my twenties, but, <laughs> but two things that I think of just in my experiences, is one to trust yourself more. I, I grew up in a tradition that I was told in my twenties, I can't trust my feelings. My feelings will betray me. I can't trust my own intuition. And I find a lot of the women in my life are actually very intuitive. And their mm-hmm. feelings are usually good messengers. That Their feelings are telling them something very true and very right. And I think leaning into that is actually not a bad thing. I think it's a helpful thing. And just like anything, we can, we can be self-deceived, whether it's leaning into our intuitions and emotions or whether it's leaning into our reason and rationality. Yeah. I think we, we like to think that if we think reasonably, we won't go astray. But those all depend on having the right motivations and presuppositions. So, yeah. um, so I would say, you know, not going with that narrative that we can't trust ourselves. I mean, I think it's so important that we're in touch with who we are and how we connect to God and um, how God is transforming us. And if God is transforming us, then why wouldn't we be able to trust our hearts and trust who we are um, mm-hmm. as it continues to get renewed? And so I think that's the first thing. And the second is that I'm also not advocating, and I, I say this hopefully clearly in the book, doormat theology, uh, by which I mean that the way to love is just to let everyone else get what they want at my expense. Mm. And I think it's really important that we understand that boundaries can be loving. Mm -hmm. That, in fact, one of my favorite quotes is, you know, a boundary is the distance at which I can love you and me simultaneously. Mm. Because sometimes to have you too close is actually at my expense. Um, or maybe for me to be too close to you is at your expense. And so we have to find what that bounce and boundary is. And that goes back to what you said in Matthew 22, you know, the greatest command, love your neighbor as yourself. There's this mutuality between how we love ourselves and how we love other people, both in the energy we can bring, but also we bring our own self-respect and that allows us to respect and love others. So I think Mm -hmm. this isn't a call to, we just give up our rights to our own opinions or people can abuse us or use us any way they want. Um, But it's being able to walk that line, which again is wisdom. 
It's not mm-hmm. black and white. Mm-hmm. And that comes with just like asking the Lord to to give us that and to help us to know when to stand up. Um, yeah. And to know when to, you know, what to say through, yeah. through his and words. And I think, you know, Jesus is pretty clear about that, that when he says uh, in, in John's gospel, he says, uh, you know, uh, it's actually good that I go away from you because if I go away, I'll give you, you know, some people want him to say the Bible or absolute truth or something like that, but he doesn't. He says the Spirit, mm-hmm. and the Spirit will guide you into all truth. And so there's something nice about the Spirit because the Spirit gets into the nooks and crannies of our mm-hmm. life, the details, figuring mm-hmm. out in this particular situation what's the loving thing to do. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's so true. It's sometimes I forget about that. You know that Jesus said, like, this is better. Like, this is better that mm-hmm. I send you this helper. And so, yeah. um, it's so beautiful. So. All right. I'd like to jump into just the last three questions. I ask these to every guest that comes on the show. And the first one is, what is one thing that you just really wish you knew as a 20-something? Um, just two things. One, that loving people is about more than giving them my opinion. I mean, I've been thinking about that a lot, obviously, with the book. So um, that's one thing I wish I knew. And two, that I don't have to accomplish everything like right this second. And that's a big one. Yes. Like that is something I can definitely relate to. And I've had to talk with a lot of friends about, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, that can get done tomorrow or mm-hmm, that can get done mm-hmm. in three years. Like it's going to be okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. Quality of life right now matters too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Next one is what are you like reading, listening to, watching any of those things you want to share? Yeah, I'm I'm reading um, Drew Hart's Trouble I've Seen, Changing the Way the Church Views Racism. Um, I'm listening to, I really like Armchair Expert uh, podcast. It's a guilty <laughs> yeah. pleasure for sure. And, yeah. uh, and also Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History. So I listen to those quite a bit. And I'm, I'm, I'm watching, although it'd be more fair to say, I'm re-watching uh, The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary. Oh, yes. So good. I... I watched it like live. I think I watched like the first four maybe and mm-hmm. I have not finished it. So I need to do that because I was really oh, enjoying man. it. Yeah. Such a good yeah. story. So you've watched it more than once. <laughs> I'm, I'm going through it the second time. It's just so nostalgic, you know, for, yeah. for those of us who grew up in the, in the nineties, it has a lot of nostalgia. Yes. Or just major basketball fans. Yes. Love it. Love it. Okay. Lastly, what is refreshing you these days? Just anything that's like bringing you life. Yeah, well, we've instituted this year uh, since the pandemic Taco Tuesdays, so that oh, yeah. definitely gives me new life. I'm from Texas; we live in near near Philadelphia now. So, man, it's nice. great to have tacos every Tuesday. That definitely gives me life. Um, yes. Yeah, at playing basketball every day with the kids mm. outside, getting some sunshine. It's nice, and um, and just the slower life. I mean, my my a lot of things fell away over the last six months, and we're mm. finding the real blessing in that. Yes, so true. I've talked about that with so many people of like, you know, having a lot of things stripped away has really um, helped you realize the things that you are truly thankful for. Also, the things that you were maybe spending too much time doing that really um, are not worth your time or uh, were taking up space in your heart that should not have. Yeah, yeah, really cool thing about this season. So, well, thank you so much for coming on, Jared, and just for you know, just how awesome it is that your book is coming out at a time like this uh, and just the truth that it brings um, that we, it, it is so important to love during this time. 
not just now, but always, um, but especially now. And so thank you just for coming on and speaking to my listeners about it. I loved having you. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me on. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Yes. Thank you, Jared. You guys, it was such a pleasure to speak with Jared, and I pray his message is encouraging and enlightening. I hope that speaking the truth in love just echoes in your mind throughout this week as you encounter differing perspectives and beliefs, and in a world where everyone speaks their own truth, remember and be encouraged that there is only one truth, and that is Christ crucified and His imminent return. And if you know the end of the story, how can you live it today? Thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll catch you back here in a couple weeks. Stay fresh, my people.